Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Uh, glad you guys are here this morning. Hey, we're beginning a new series right now. It is called Survey Says. Now, in 2018, we collected some information on topics that maybe, uh, that maybe just get kind of hit here and there throughout our time going through different parts of the Bible as we've been going through different series through books. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're having a concentrated time kind of hitting some of those subjects. Next Sunday, we're talking about trials, something that we all have in common is that we're either coming out of a trial, we're either going into a trial, or in the middle of a trial. And you might wonder, like, why? Why, God, are you allowing this to happen? Uh, well, there's a lot of reasons God doesn't allow it to happen. We're going to unpack that next Sunday. Maybe invite somebody out to join you uh, that is going through a trial, and uh, or you can just let them know, like, hey, one's coming, so you should probably come and listen and Take a, uh, get some information. Uh, this morning we're talking about learning how God uses us to reach people. And so I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. It is one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. It's a story about a man named Zacchaeus. And we get to see the heart and the mission of Jesus. We get to have, just within 10 verses, we understand, actually one verse at the very end of this section, verse 10, the whole purpose of Jesus, the reason why Jesus came. And we're going to look at how Jesus interacts with this man and really just learn some lessons on how God might want to use you in another person's life, how God wants to use you to bring somebody to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God does want to use you. God does call you and I to actually be a part of reaching people. Uh, it's why we exist as a congregation in this valley. It's why Clovis Hills exists. It's why the well exists and Trinity Community Church and all the other 20,000 churches that are in our community uh, they all exist to not only help people know Jesus, but to make him known, to actually be a lighthouse uh, in, in a dark world. Last week, we read through the gospel narrative of the gospel of Luke. We talked about, you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And at the very end of the gospel, Jesus tells the disciples and thus the church, uh, really the great commission. He said that this message of, of uh, repentance and forgiveness would go out to all nations That was the mandate that the church was given. We read in the book of Acts chapter 1 that Jesus told the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere beginning in the city of Jerusalem. They were called to be a witness. You're called to be a witness. God desires that you and I would actually be a part of somebody coming to a, a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we read that, um, you know, what they did, sort of the simple, you know, methods of the early church. They met together to pray. They studied God's word together. They broke bread together. They served one another. And then it tells us at the end of chapter 2, and the Lord added daily to the church those who are being saved. How are people getting saved back in the early days of the church? Well, they're getting saved because there were Christians that were living out their faith, and there were Christians that were actually saying, come and see what we're learning about Jesus, and there were Christians who were actually articulating the simple message of the gospel. Again, God uses people and desires to use us. Now, you might be feeling like, man, I haven't gone to seminary. 
I haven't gone to Bible college. I don't know enough. I'm not qualified, right? I think that those are some of the fears that we have. What if somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, and then you say, that's a great question. Why don't you come on Sunday morning uh, to a church where maybe you can learn something about that, and uh, so take them to the well or take them across the street. No, I'm just kidding. You can come here. And we'll help with those answers, but it's really not your abilities. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like this grand ability that you have, like, man, I'm all ready to go, although we do get equipped. It's just your availability. Are you a person that says, God, I, here I am living on this, this dirt clod flying through, you know, space, and there are lost people all around me. God, I want to be used. I want you to use my life to change somebody else. The only thing that you and I get to take to heaven is if you have an iPhone 10, you get that gets to go. No, I'm just kidding. People, you get to take your relationship with God and you get to take people with you to heaven. That's it. So it's all said and done. What really matters is actually reaching people. So we see this passage, Luke 19, verse 1, read with me. It says, And Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and was rich, just like the IRS. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down, came down, received him joyfully. And when they saw it, the religious leaders, they all grumbled. And they said, he's gone, speaking of Jesus, into to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today's salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We're introduced to, maybe uh, if you grew up in the 80s, 70s, 80s, one of the most like, famous Sunday school people, right? Zacchaeus. How many of you guys grew up listening to Salty uh, the creepy little blue book guy? Did anybody listen to Salty? I made my staff, who's like all like, 15, I feel like. Uh, I'm like, do you guys do Salty, the singing songbook? And then I show them a video and it's like, okay, that would make me as a kid go like, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. But anyways, they sing this song. Zacchaeus was, uh, do you know this song? A wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And then that's where I lost it. That's where I'm like, okay. For me, that song was like what you might have baby shark going through your head if you have kids or you've got grandkids. We find out a lot about this man. He's a chief tax collector, right? He had climbed to the top of the ladder. Uh, he had taken more taxes because he had that ability. This was a major trade route. So there were all kinds of goods coming and going, right? And so he was the tax man. And he could say, here's the tax today. And he could add a little bit more because he wanted to get a souped up camel or whatever they rode around in. And it was like, that was his ability to do that. So everybody actually despised him because of his position uh, as a Jew. He was seen as kind of like a conspirator with the Romans because he essentially was working for the Roman government. And so he was despised by the Jewish community. Uh, but you know what's interesting about people like Zacchaeus that the, the, you and I would look at and go, ugh. 
man, what is wrong with that guy? In God's eyes, he was a precious sinner who needed salvation. And that's what we see Jesus showing up this day to Jerusalem. He's on his way, excuse me, on his way to Jerusalem to take the sins of the world. He passes through Jericho. Right outside of Jericho, there's two instances we see Jesus around that city. One is when he healed two blind men, one famous guy, Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. And the second instance we see is in the next chapter, chapter 19 that we're in this morning, is that he went to Jericho to have lunch with a man named Zacchaeus. When you think about what Jesus did, we think about looking at his life as an effective way to learn some lessons on how we can share, share Jesus with people. Number one is this, is that you've got to go out of your way to reach somebody. You've got to go out of your way. We look at Jesus on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world, and yet he had to stop in Jericho. You think about that, Again, the only instance that we find Jesus in Jericho, the city, was to actually reach this one. We can get really caught up in our busy lives. I know you have busy schedules. I know you guys have, you know, uh, a lot on your plates. You got uh, jobs. You've got kids to shuttle around. So you're an Uber driver. You're a coach. Whatever you're doing uh, for, you know, your family and your life and your career. And then you become a Christian and you sort of surround yourself around Christian people, and right? And we have Christian coffee shops now. And, uh, you know, you go to small groups. All of these things are very important for your growth as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's always a great thing in a person's life. But sometimes good things become bad is that we almost circle the wagon, so to speak, and we don't know anybody who's lost anymore. We're not connected with anybody who's lost anymore. And we don't go out of our way to actually build a relationship, build a bridge into their life for the purpose of actually sharing Jesus with them. If you're going to actually be a person that, uh, that God uses, you're going to have to go out of your way. You're going to have to take some risk and actually go out of your comfort zone to reach somebody, to stir up a conversation with somebody. To have that moment where you share even things like, hey, this is what God has been doing in my life. Those kinds of things plant seeds in a person's life. Damn and I have a friend who uh, is a Christian. Her and her husband are walking with Jesus now. And, and uh, before pre-Jesus in her life, she had some Christians that, uh, that lived in her neighborhood and they were friends. And they just began to love on this couple. And to the point where there were things going on in their life, they needed to move. And so that friend of hers just said, listen, let's pray right now that God would open up a door for you to get into this house. And just prayed for her before, and this is before that uh, our friends were Christians. And, and God used those kinds of seeds being planted in that person's life, um, you know, to bring them to Jesus Christ. Stir up a conversation. This is what God's doing in my life. Building a, a, a relationship with somebody. That takes effort. That takes time on your part. So you've got to be willing to go out of your way. We see that in the life of Jesus going to Jericho when he has a critical mission to go and die, on the sin, uh, die for the sins of the world. Whether you cross the seas as a missionary or you cross the street or you cross the gym or you cross your cubicle to the next cubicle over, um, that's what it means. It's like you make some effort. They're all around us, people like Zacchaeus. What, what did Jesus find? When he went to Jericho, we found a, a busted life, an empty, thirsty soul. And guess what? People like that are all around us. Just so that we're clear, I know that we look at some people and go like, well, they've got all their crud together, right? And they've got everything. And it's like, you got to have your life falling apart before you can actually find Jesus. 
Here's what we know. This is what the Bible confirms for us. Everybody needs Jesus. Everyone. Everyone at your work. Everyone on your block. Everyone at your gym. Everyone uh, on your, you know, cheer team. Can I get a shout out from any cheerleaders here today? No. Every person in your life needs Jesus. And sometimes it just takes those moments for you and I to go, you know what? I'm going to have to go out of my way to actually be a part of this person hearing about Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Zacchaeus was one who needed Jesus. Zacchaeus, he lived a life like every other human lives on this planet where you find out that all the stuff actually doesn't mean anything anymore. There's still something missing. One more dollar, one more toy, one more relationship. It's not enough to satisfy the, the thirsty soul. And people do have those exteriors up, right? Uh, everybody's got a highlight reel on their Instagram or their Facebook, so you see all the good parts of their life. And, and yet, look beyond that and say, even if they've got it all, there's still an emptiness inside. There's a thirst in their soul, and they need Jesus Christ. Nothing has changed. We live in a world that just says, if crave more, we want more, we pursue more. People like Zacchaeus are chasing around achievement, man, whether it's academic or athletic or people want acceptance. They want people to like them, right? Or, or they're looking for satisfaction and pleasure. And so they say, oh, I need a relationship or, you know, what have you. I need more stuff to actually satisfy my soul. What Zacchaeus found was that lasting joy and peace escaped him. When, you're, when you don't have Jesus in your life, joy and peace, you think you got it, it's like grabbing a watermelon seed. It's just like, just when you think you got it, boom, it slips out of your hand. Because you can't experience that without a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's something you and I need to know about our friends and about those people that God has placed us uh, in, in their lives. That's the nature of this life. You're dead in your sin before you come to Christ, and yet internally you're thirsty for a relationship with him. This day... Zacchaeus was curious. God opens people's hearts and minds to the gospel or to hear what at least the gospel has to say through a church by curiosity. Looks, people look at people's lives. They see people they know are Christians at work. And they say, why do they have joy? Why do they have peace? Why are they patiently waiting for that, uh, that promotion? Why do they love their spouse and, and, and humbly serve their spouse? You don't see that in, in today's world. Man, what makes them different? God uses those kinds of things to stir up the curiosity. And that's what happened to Zacchaeus. Is like he'd heard some stories about Jesus. Here's, a, here's something else that we need to know. Here's, here's number two. And you think about like looking at the life of Jesus and, and how God might use us to reach another person. Is that number two is that know that God is already working. See, God was already working before, you know, before he had arrived. God was stirring up Zacchaeus' soul. There was something within him that he knew he needed something that Jesus perhaps had. And so he was just like, man, I need, I need something. Something's missing from my life. We might think like that nobody wants to hear. Um, I think maybe you've talked to somebody in the past about your relationship with Jesus, and it's like, man, like just sort of blow it off. I remember I was actually telling a story to our worship team. Man, weren't they awesome? And they Chase, thanks very much. Where are you at, buddy? Chase, he, he's, he's not even in here right now. Where is he at? I don't even know where he is. Chase, okay, don't clap for him. Take him. There he is right there. You can just stand up and just like say what's up. Chase is a good friend. God bless you, man. Chase is a worship leader of the well. And we were talking prior to um, our service this morning about 
uh, a moment in my life, you know, uh, rodeo weekend. And by the way, thank you for not being a cowboy this morning and actually coming to church. Uh, and you all get Bud Light when you leave. I'm just kidding. Uh, you're like, it's Coors and Clovis. I don't even know. But I, I remember 31 years ago, uh, rodeo weekend. 31 years ago on a Sunday, I was 17 years old. Actually, I should probably not. Sh- I, was, I was a toddler wandering the streets of Clovis. 17 years old, I had just closed the gym, BJ's World of Iron, uh, where it used to be real gyms back in the 80s. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was like, there's no Taylor Swift. You can't work out the Taylor Swift, man. It was like rock and roll and hard, you know, iron and dirt. And uh, I closed the gym up. I went to Beacon Gas Station on Clovis Avenue. It's like a Valero right now. And I remember just pumping gas, 98 cents a gallon, putting gas in my car. And this guy was out street preaching out on the street there in, um, in downtown Clovis after the rodeo was over. And came up to me. I was actually praying, Lord, please don't let that crazy guy come up to me right now. Sure enough, he comes up to me and he starts talking to me about like, hey, do you know if you're to go to heaven when you die? And I said, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. In my mind, I had a belief in God, some knowledge of God. I also felt like that I was a pretty significantly better person than most people in the world. And uh, you know what I mean? It's like if God grades on a curve, I'm good, right? It was like during that Jeffrey Dahmer stuff, you know what I mean? So I was like, I'm doing better than a lot of people. And, um, and, and, and they asked me a question, are you born again? Are you a born again Christian? And I said, what's born again? And he says, well, then how do you know if you're going to go to heaven? Because the Bible says, unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. I blew him off. I still would blow him off because it was kind of creepy the way he came up to me. But his words, God's word was stirring in my soul. And he thought that I was like just a punk kid blowing him off and God was using those moments in my life. It was actually about three, four, five months later when I actually surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. A seed gets planted. Know that God's already working. You're like, oh man, you just messed it up. You butchered John 3.16, whatever. They didn't want to listen. I tried to bring God up in a conversation. They just kind of like changed the subject. God is working behind the scenes. God is working in a person's life And that's what we see in the story of Zacchaeus. You think about, well, nobody wants to come. No one wants to come to church. There's a recent stat that says 25% would actually go to church if they're invited and they're accompanied by a Christian. 25%. One in four people in your life that is not a believer, that does not attend church, would actually show up on a Sunday morning simply because you said, hey, I'll be there. We've got these amazing calorie-free donuts right out front. And then we'll come in and we'll sit down and you can listen. Think about that. God is already working in people's lives. God is stirring hearts. Look back at your own life as I shared my own story that God had already been sort of stirring in me and even now he's stirring the hearts of the people that you're gonna see tomorrow or this week. He's already working in their life and he's just looking for someone that would be available that would be willing to go out of their way in order to actually be a part of reaching somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Know that God is already working. What was the big issue with him? Well, he was vertically challenged. So he couldn't like literally see Jesus. There were the disciples in the way. These guys were so messed up in their thinking at this time. Earlier they had told some, um, they had told some uh, parents, like, no, 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 no. That, this, is the, this is the Messiah. He can't get a cold right now. Take your snotty little kid away. And Jesus said, listen, guys, don't, 
don't be like that. Let the children come to me, for such is the kingdom of God, right? He used children as, a, as an instance to say, unless you become like a child, you can't actually enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were arguing about who is the greatest among them. And again, there had just been a healing that happened, a miracle that just happened. Two guys got healed of blindness. And there's this crowd that's following. So imagine this massive crowd, this, this dignified you know, government official running ahead, jumping up in a sycamore tree just so he could get a vision because the crowds had blocked his view of Jesus. The, the religious of the day were there. They were also a part of that crowd. They were self-righteous. Instead of looking at their own sins and need for a savior, they were judging others. The interesting picture when you think about crowds, just you know, the physical crowd around Jesus, it's almost like a metaphor or a picture of the crowd around Jesus, the Son of God now, uh, called the church. A lot of times, we can actually block the view of somebody actually seeing who Jesus is by the way you and I live, by the things that we prioritize in our lives, by the things that we actually stand for, actually become things that trump the cross. And we can actually be a hindrance from somebody actually seeing who Jesus is as well. The church is called to, will be the church, to love one another, we're called to serve one another. We're called to share the gospel, to be the church in the world, as Jesus called us in Matthew's gospel, to be the salt and the light of the world, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But we get caught up in things, right? We block people from seeing Jesus. It's been said there are two reasons why people don't go to church. One is they don't know any Christians. You know what the other one is? They actually do know some Christians. And they're like, you know what? I don't want to go to that church. That church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites, our issues can get in the way, right? Before we have a chance to show them Jesus, they see a lack of genuine love. They hear the gossip that happens in our Christian communities, the critical nature of our, you know, the spirit that the church can have sometimes, very critical of, of sinners and different categories of sin. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. Am I a stepping stone or a stumbling block for, coming, for someone coming to Jesus? Are you a stepping stone that someone would see your life, hear your words, and actually go, I'm actually on my way and journey to actually become a Christian because of the light, the salt that they are in my life? Or are you and I a stumbling block? Hypocrisy is a major hindrance to people hearing the gospel. It's important that we're living it. Not a perfect life, right? But, I mean, if you are going out to Campania, Standard, Lux, how do I even know that that exists? They have like 22-year-olds in my household, <laughs> If we're all getting hammer drunk on Saturday nights going, man, you should come to my church tomorrow. Sure thing, buddy, yeah. It seems to be working great for your life. To be the salt means you got to live it. And sometimes our lack of genuinely living for Jesus becomes that stumbling block. Locker room talk. Bunch of guys talking about stuff that's inappropriate. Hey, man, you should come to my church service too, by the way. Got to have a genuine walk with Jesus. Here's a lesson that I think we learned from this is he needed to get a view of Jesus. Is number three, you want to be effective in leading a person to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Be willing to go out of your way. Number two, know that God is already working in their hearts and he's preparing them for that moment you're going to connect. And three is point them to Jesus. It's not our politics. It's not our preferences. It's not, you know, anything that the church has argued about for centuries is meaningless when it comes to what is the issue. It's Jesus Christ. 
Paul showed up in Corinth and he said, I decided, I determined to know nothing among you except this. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Do you know what Paul's message was? Jesus and the cross. Next week, what's your sermon title, Paul? Jesus and the cross. And for however many weeks Paul was there, it was Jesus and the cross. That's the message. Not what we're against, not what our politics are. It's Jesus that people need. You know, there's a lot of great resources um, around to, like, to, to kind of sharpen your sword, so to speak, to become more effective in sharing Jesus. One of them is the Billy Graham Association. You know, just Google Billy Graham Association and their website. All kinds of articles on how to share Jesus, uh, random questions that you might get asked by somebody who has a curious, you know, or, or a legitimate question about, you know, an area where they struggle, like believing in God or what have you. And on that site, they talk about really four steps on how to share Jesus. Number one, tell them God's plan. Tell them about God's peace and life that he has. You know, John 3.16 kind of stuff. Like God loves you. God has a plan for your life. He, he wants to give you abundant life. That's what Jesus said he came to do. Number two, share our problem, that we're all separated from God because of sin. A relationship with God is not automatic. You and I are born sinners. We're born separated from God. And we actually have a problem. It's called sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, Romans 3.23 says. Talk about, number three, God's remedy, the cross. That God's love bridged that gap between sinful humanity and a holy God through the cross. That when Jesus died on the cross, he took my sin, he took your sin. That's what the story of Easter is all about. That he went to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. He, he paid a debt, so to speak that he did not owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. You can't be religious enough to get saved. You can't be uh, good enough to, for God to actually like, grant you salvation. It's only through the cross. And then they talk about our response to receive Christ. You cross the bridge into God's family when you accept Christ's free gift of salvation. As John 1 says, but as many as received him, he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. Think about that. Think about the knowledge that you and I have available on our phone. Siri, take me to Billy Graham Association website. And that kind of information that God could use to actually unlock a sinner's heart is just mind-blowing. we got to be willing to go out of our way. you got to know that God's already working. And when it comes down to it, it's about Jesus. You point him to him. Share your story. Have you written down your journey to come to Jesus? You might have come to Christ as a five-year-old kid. And you don't need to, like, make things up. And when I was four, I robbed the bank. You know what I mean? Like, by the way, your story, Jesus is the hero. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people like, oh, we did this, we did this, and I was in this gang, and I did this kind of stuff. And then I found Jesus. And, oh, how boring. I'm so sorry for you. You sound like you want to go back. <laughs> Talking about, this is what it means. Like, this is my journey. I was five years old. I heard the story of Jesus. I realized then, I don't need to drink gutter water to know that it tastes cruddy, Right? No, I don't have a testimony. If God reached down and saved your soul that was lost for all eternity, deserved death, hell, and judgment, that's a pretty awesome story, isn't it? And this is how I came to Jesus. This is what Jesus means to me now. Talk about what God is doing in your life. Or even do things like, hey, can I pray for you right now with a, a, maybe a coworker or a friend who's having a marital issue or they're about to get married or, and then they're about to have marital issues. It's just like, man, can I, can I be a part of your journey in your life? Don't like pray like, Lord, help them stop warning. No. 
pray blessings on their life. God will use those kinds of moments in a person's life. So we see Zacchaeus, man. He runs ahead, right? No excuses, by the way. If you're here today and you're like, well, the reason why I'm not sure about Jesus is there's a lot of hypocrites. You don't get that excuse standing before God. Well, there's a bunch of guys I work with and they, they were living for you, Lord. Well, what about you? You know, God isn't asking them to come take up residence in your heart. He's asking you to actually believe the gospel. And you've got to decide. And that excuse won't exist in heaven. You see people lined up. Don't say this. It didn't work. It ain't going to work. He didn't allow his pride to get in the way. He put aside his dignity, which is something you have to do when you come to Jesus. Jesus said you have to be like a little child or you won't be able to enter the kingdom of God. You've got to humble, humble yourself to come to Jesus Christ. To me, people allow their pride to get in the way. Now, what will my friends think? Who cares what your friends think? Think about that. For all eternity, you have Jesus. You have peace in your life now. Man, you can't let pride get in the way. We see in verse 5 that as Zacchaeus is perched up there, got some flaming hot Cheetos. I have no idea what he's doing up there. He's just, you know, dangling his little feet. And then the crowd stops. And Jesus, can you imagine? And Jesus looks up at him. And there he caught eyes with the creator of the universe. And I would imagine all his thoughts that went through his head, a religious man, perhaps the son of God, as people were talking about. What would you think, what did you think that God thought of you before you came to Jesus Christ? God wants to thump you on the melon. God is disappointed in you. Listen, God already knows that we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. But what he looked up and he saw in his eyes, love, grace, acceptance. We talk about that word, right, to accept Jesus Christ. And, and in some ways, it is pretty accurate. We read, to, to those who accepted him, he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. But literally what happens is you get accepted by God when you believe. God's the one who accepts you into his kingdom and into his family. And that's exactly what he saw when he saw Jesus. He saw a look of love and compassion. Wasn't what he was expecting. For God so loved the world. We read in Romans 5.8, but God shows his love towards us in, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That, that first moment, man, when you get the gospel, Jesus has come to take away my sins. I, I won't forget that moment, man. We just realize, like, man, I'm loved by God that he willingly went to the cross, something that we talk a, a lot about here at RVC, that sinners are saved by grace. And in that moment, I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to jump through religious ho hoops. I can't jump through enough for God to accept me and to allow me into his kingdom. And in verse six, six, he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus. It's like in that moment, he knows my name. He knows everything about Zacchaeus. By the way, he knows everything about you. All your hurts, all your pains, Right, All the sins, the whole story of your life. I think we look at Zacchaeus and we see this moment where Jesus says, Zacchaeus, today i got to come to your house. I'm going to have lunch with you. It is a picture, by the way, of salvation. As Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. It's like Romans 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with them and they with me. Eating was a, 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 we would see fellowship that would take place in that culture. And it was, a, it was a, a significant word picture for them to understand this is what salvation is, relationship. 
He says, today I want to have a relationship with you, Zacchaeus. Here's a fourth way, a fourth reason that we look at Jesus as an example and how we can be used by God to reach others is this. Is that you and I need to see people as God sees them. We all have sort of our brand of sinning, right? Do you have yours? You're like a Toyota sinner. You're like a Chevy sinner. You're like, oh, we hate those Ford guys. You know what I mean? Motorcycle guys, right? You're a Harley guy. Well, we hate those Honda guys. It's not even a motorcycle. Get off your wife's motorcycle, they might say, right? If I had a Harley, that's what I'm going to say to those guys. And sometimes we could just like, we have our like, we have what, the comfortable sins that we're comfortable with, the sort of crowd that we came from, but then there's other like versions of sin in this world. You're just like going, I don't get that. And man, like not here. If you're going to reach people, you've got to look past their sin and see them as a person dearly loved by God. I love what, what Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew's gospel, chapter 9, it says, And when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. The disciples saw a group of people and saw work and said, Jesus, send them away so they can go get some Chipotle somewhere else. And Jesus, he looked at them and he saw exactly who they were as people, which is broken and busted in need of a shepherd. If you're going to be used to reach people, you got to show up tomorrow at work. you got to show up at the gym. you got to show up on your block or uh, dropping kids off at school. You've got to show up with this mindset that every single person in every category and tribe of sin in our world is dearly loved by God. Every single one of them. All of them. That's hard for us to understand because we have our categories you got to break through that. You've got to wrestle with your own kind of issues and go, every single person is like me, undeserving of God's love and grace. Who am I to actually withhold the gospel because I don't understand their version of sinning? See him as God sees him. Sinners in need of a savior and loved by Jesus. That's why he said, pray that God would send workers with his heart He'll go with the good news that God saves sinners like them. In essence, he was saying, guys, open up your eyes, man. I'm sending you. I'm sending you to go. Some people we might think they don't deserve it. Again, we don't deserve it. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's what the Bible confirms. Everyone's outside of God's grace before they come to Christ. None of us would be saved, by the way, if it wasn't for God's grace and him looking with compassion upon us. You know, you can know the gospel, you can know the doctrine of salvation inside and out, but you will never reach others unless you have compassion for other people's souls. Because you just won't care. You'll argue. Well, did you know this, 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 this? And it's like, yeah, I really don't care. I don't even care what you, I don't even want to go to your dumb church. You have compassion for people. Say, God, give me a heart of compassion like you. You know, we all have that sycamore tree moment, don't we? Where we discover that it's the Lord who's actually pursuing us. That moment you realize that you've been, all that you've been chasing in life can't fulfill you. You have that moment you say, God, I need you. I need you. The lights go on. It's Jesus. 
He's real. He's calling me to him. You know, one of the greatest joys in life is, number one, coming to Jesus because your sins are forgiven. You have a relationship now established with God that you can grow in. You know, one of the other great joys of life is sharing Jesus and seeing other people come to Christ. To see your grandkids come to Jesus, your children come and know Jesus, your friends that you've grown up with, your new co-workers that you have, to come to Jesus Christ, to see a person. I remember like the first time I actually prayed with somebody to receive Jesus. I'm like, wait a minute, are you serious? Because I didn't expect this, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, I, I guess we're doing this. Are you sure? Halfway through the prayer. Now think about this. You really want to do this. I'm a little shocked right now. Nothing greater, man, than seeing a friend come to know Jesus Christ. Our part in our salvation experience is to say, all right, I'm going to jump out of this tree. I'm going to come. I'm going to believe. That Revelation 3.20 moment. Jesus at the door of our hearts. We hear his voice. We open the door, and he comes in, and we share life together. Fellowship with God. That's what salvation is, a relationship with God. But you have to leave everything else behind. That's that word repentance. It means to change direction. You're going this way away from God, living your life your own way. you got to turn about face 180 degree and, and move towards God. To turn from sin and follow Jesus Christ. That's a, what a great picture of salvation when he's dining there at his house. There's all this joy. You know, when, when Jesus uh, said that there's more joy in heaven when one sinner comes to Christ. But on earth there's grumbling. Isn't that crazy? hey, so-and-so came to my church and, man, they started coming and they got a Bible now. Really? Them? Do you have a friend like that? Or you're just like going, you're just sort of waiting for the wheels of the bus to fall off. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're still coming. 15 years later, look at them, still walking with Jesus. Ah, any moment now. Grumbling. He says, man, I'm going to give back everything that I stole. That was the Old Testament law for thieves, to give back fourfold if you've taken anything that wasn't yours. And when a person comes to Christ, God does that work in their life. They become a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And in verse 10, we see Jesus' mission, right? He says, guys, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's why we exist. That's why Jesus came. His mission was to seek and to save the lost. And he commissioned us, the church, and his disciples to carry out that mission. Paul says that you and I in 2 Corinthians 5, that we are ambassadors for Christ. That we are a representation of Jesus here on earth as the salt and the light. If you and I are going to reach people, we need to get the same kind of heart that Jesus displays for us in verse 10. Here's a fifth point, fifth lesson in the life of Jesus and how God could use us to reach others. Is that you and I need a God-given burden for the lost. You think about that, that thought, like, why don't we share Jesus? You know what the real answer is a lot of times in my life and in your life? Is we just don't care. I mean, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound horrible? Your pastor just said, sometimes people at other churches don't share Jesus sometimes we're scared that's real it's real for me too man it's way easier for me behind a microphone than to be at starbucks and some say hey what's your deal uh why are you talking to me because <laughs> you have an rvc sticker on your computer i thought maybe you might have some answers about life but i'll go somewhere else 
Sometimes we just don't share Jesus because if we're honest, we don't have a burden for him. We don't have a burden for the lost people. It's okay for, you know, God is not shocked by anything that we're thinking right now. God is not shocked when, it is okay for you and I to pray, Lord, help me to want you more. You know what I mean? Not, Lord, help me to serve you. I need to backtrack. God, honestly, sometimes I just want more flesh and more of this world than I want you. And I just want to tell you something you already know. So you'll help me to want you more in my life. And it's also okay to say, God, if I'm honest, that verse 10 kind of stuff, it's like I feel like missionaries and pastors and that kind of, those kind of people should be doing verse 10 kind of stuff. When God is saying, I want you to do verse 10 kind of stuff, and be like your Lord, well, God, you got to give me a burden for the lost. It's okay to say, God, the people I work with, honestly, I don't even think about heaven without, uh, with them. Give me a burden for them. Maybe it's a, a loved one. Maybe it's people that get under your skin right now, and God's going to just give you a great burden for them. And you're going to start praying for their souls. You're going to start finding ways to reach out to them. A God-given burden is so necessary if we are going to actually be used to reach others. And I think it's a great way for us to kind of just close out this morning. God, I need a burden for you. God, I want to be used to reach other people, but I need you to place that on my heart to have that kind of compassion that you have. Sometimes we hear the Great Commission, you know, go to all the world, you know. It just feels like billions of people, Lord. Go from a planet filled with billions of people to a friend. For God so loved them that he gave his only son. Lord, could you use me to reach them? You have a kid that's wayward right now? You have a grandkid that's wandered from Jesus and doesn't know him? You have a coworker? Do you have a friend? Do you have a childhood friend that you talk about everything around this life except for Jesus? Take some risk. Have that conversation. It might feel awkward and strange, but it could be the thing that changes someone's eternal destiny. As the Bible describes, they pass from death to life. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And you ask him for it. Who is God stirring your heart up right now to reach? Who are you praying for? Who are you thinking about in this moment that doesn't know Jesus Christ? You say, God, give me a burden to see them to come to know you. And then pray, pray, pray that God will work in their hearts and take a step in the direction that they're in and share the love of Jesus Christ with them. It could be, can I pray for you? It could be, come to, to church and see what God is doing. It could be, can I share this verse with you, John three sixteen. It is okay to say, you know, why do I need Jesus? Because you're a sinner, you've broken God's commands. I know that's offensive, but you didn't make it up. It's just true. And see God use you to reach other people. No one would have guessed that day that Zacchaeus would be a follower of Jesus. I think you and I would have been blown away as well. You think about as we close out our time in, in, in worship this morning, to the church, I want to say, man, take the opportunities to show the world who Jesus is. Let people see Jesus in your life. Share his love with them. Pray for those in your sphere of influence. Invite someone to join you at church and pray that RVC and churches in our community, every single day that God would fill us with a passion and a compassion to reach those who are lost. To have a heart that says, God, use me. Go out of your way. Know God's already working. Point him to Jesus. See him as God sees him. And get a burden 
for the lost. Maybe you're here this morning as well, and you're, we're talking about Zacchaeus and his journey to Jesus. And maybe today's your final step in your journey to Jesus. People have been talking to you about him. Maybe you've been going to church. Maybe you came on Easter and you're back. I don't know your story, but God knows your story. And I can tell you right now that God is here knocking on the door of your heart. But you've got to make a decision and actually say, yes, Jesus, I want to believe. Yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Millions of people throughout the centuries have made that decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, this morning, I'd love to give you an opportunity.